Welcome, my friends, to another episode of the Made in China podcast. It's Rico here, CEO of Sourcefied Asia, co-host of the Made in China podcast. And in this episode, I had a chance to speak to a very interesting gentleman that I've known. I've been trying to get this guy on the podcast for like a solid three years now. Um, he's, a, he's a good friend of Michael Michelini. He's known Michael Michelini for probably, I want to say, eight to ten years um, speaking of Michelini, if you listen to the previous episode, which we just released, I actually mentioned to Mike that I was going to meet this guy. His name is Mark. I was going to meet him the same day or the next day. And I said I was going to ambush him and try to get him onto the, onto the podcast because I got these new microphones. Like it's a two-in-one lapel mic. So I was like, all right, you know, I don't have to carry around a ton of equipment. So it's not going to be very obvious. I was like, all right, this is just plug and play. You plug it into your phone. Start recording and, and you're off to the races. You've got two mics. So that's what I did with him. Um, so basically, Mark is, as he put it, some people call him the ninja marketer. He is somebody who's very experienced and has a lot of success in the online marketing space. As he mentioned, the first time he came out to China was you know, 2005, I think. And that was the beginning of, not the beginning of online marketing, but the beginning of online marketing as we kind of know it today, when we're talking about getting Google rankings up, you know, pay-per-click, like all the stuff that is now very common today and is very competitive. And a lot of people are very educated about that time. It was the beginning. And, you know, his gurus were some of the, like he mentioned in the podcast, the the guy who was famous for making a million dollars off of online marketing, like one of the first people to do it, if not the first person. And um, yeah, Mark just likes to be, he's, in, he's, has, he's had his hands in a lot of different areas. Um, he's been a part of the Startup Bros organizing um, you know, trips, trips to China. Um, he's worked with a lot of Chinese companies in terms of setting up their websites and, and their online marketing and, and funnels. He sells products on Amazon. He manages other people's Amazon listings. Uh, he sells off of Amazon, like another e-commerce platforms and stuff like that. And he's just he's had his hands in a lot of different areas. He's made you know a lot of money in those areas, and he has a lot of experience. I think the reason why he's just not like a public figure type. He doesn't want necessarily to put his face on things, and you know he'd rather you know be have customers come to him through word of mouth, and then they're like sort of pre vetted and things like that. So yeah, he's very knowledgeable, very interesting guy, and I was happy to finally have him onto the podcast. Um, and you know we we hang out every once in a while, and we're actually working together on a few things. So that was kind of how I got him. So without further ado, enjoy the episode. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. As I was saying, like obviously you like to be in the background and the shadows. <laughs> but, yeah, you know. that's my reputation, I suppose, uh, the ninja marketer. No, <laughs> not really, but you know, that's what everyone calls me because uh, most of the people that meet me, they say, "What do you do again?" <laughs> and yet I happen to be everywhere. Yeah. So, but you have like you have a long history with marketing. How many years? Uh, since uh, 05, 06, 2005. So, you know, it's been a while. Been an internet marketer since then. I actually first came out to China in 2006 on a seminar that, you know, I was introduced to, to uh, 
by a good friend of mine who is a, now considered a godfather of internet marketing type of thing. So it's interesting, uh, you know, the what's journey's the, been you, What's the name of the seminar? Uh, so the, at that time, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was with a fellow named Brad Fallon and uh, another person named John Reese. There was there were two known people. John Reese is famous for being the first person to do a million dollars in a day on mm-hmm. the internet. And he was, you know, that, that's what attracted a lot of us to come. Mm-hmm. And Brad was also the first person to like, be the top guy for wedding favors uh, on the internet. So mm-hmm. his company is well known. And from his story and everything that we learned from what he pitched at the time, you know, I was like, I definitely want to come. And it was a big journey because that was in the early days when, you know, yeah, it was. I mean, I think the immediate question people would have would be like, 2005, 2006, why China? Like, why were they hosting it in China? Like, yeah, what? well, you know, it was an e-commerce thing, and I was an internet marketer already, and I understood how to like drive traffic. So his sales pitch was, let's drive traffic to you know a website, and you know, building a website in those days was like, oh man, that's cool. You know, it's like let's drive traffic, and it was like pretty easy. So we're like going to China, get the direct to the source. His, his thing was like, let's go to China to get the source of, the, of, of where you're getting all your products. And so he was like. In that sense, he was a little bit more visionary in that sense. Because yeah, like, I, for think, sure. I think for in sure. those days, like people just didn't want to even come here. Yeah, it was like, you know, like I remember all the obstacles to even get there because they didn't have like the CBD area that we have now. So the five stars were not what we call five stars today. Mm-hmm. It, was, so, it was five stars Chinese uh, Yeah, standards. Chinese style, which is okay. And they had a like, Garden you know, Hotel. good, yeah, pretty much in that area. And that was the thing and premium pricing because, you know, during the Canton Fair, all the rates were high and the amount of visitors would come. So even when you went to the Canton Fair, it was still the old complex yeah. and the Pajot complex is just kind of opened up then. So we were going to both places and it was very interesting. You couldn't go there without an interpreter, which he provided, you know, because there was nobody who really spoke English at all. Yeah. Like you know, yeah, yeah. So it was kind of like the raw, and it was a good opportunity because, you know, anything you did then, you can make tons of mis- mistakes and you're still you're gonna do, be still, successful, okay, right. you know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, me and Mike just, we did a video cast where we were at the Park, uh, Park Hyatt, talking about China then, China now, and he's talking about China 10 years ago and China now, but like, China 15 years ago, it was like 14 years ago, that's crazy. I can't even imagine, you know, yeah, yeah like, yeah. oh, I could because that's how long ago it was, right? <laughs> I'm like, 15 years, yeah, that's right. I mean, it didn't seem like at that time, but you know, but you go to the hotel and everyone complains now when they come to seminars or I say, we literally, uh, you know, somewhere in the, you know, 20K plus that we had to invest in, even like do something like that because, mm. you know, the hotels alone, we're already charging 800 to 1,000 US dollars per night, you know, to stay there. The five-star hotels. Yes, yeah, because it's, just, just the limited, you know, like uh, yeah. hotels that were available, you know. It's not like that now. There's yeah, way, I know. There's, there's way more com- competition, of course, right? Of so it's just like that time there was a limited yeah, amount so, of hotels. Yeah, so, you know, that was already there. included in that budget yeah. and then you have to like, you know. Wow. Man. So just that's think so like, expensive. you know, but that's what I mean. Like, you know, the people who I was surrounded with were all the, the, the big players too, you know. I, I don't, I don't want to mention all of their names because some of them are actually the people that are selling like Amazon courses to this day, you know, or related to those people because they all learn from that seminar. You know, I actually don't feel feel like I learned as much at it to be honest. But it was about the network and also the uh, opportunity that we were presented, mm. and you know that that's what made it important to me and how I started my journey to be coming back and forth to China. So, so you got the China bug that time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I didn't recognize it right away, but then I also met one of my um, partners at that time. You know, through a relationship I built during that Chinese guy. Uh, yes, it was not a, not him directly, but someone who was there who was speaking at that. Conference. I, you know, at that time I knew networking was important, so I, I just exchanged all my, my information with everybody that I thought who can, you know, speak some English, who understood the business, and then I wanted to like follow up with them. 
Later on, that person introduced me to somebody who ended up becoming my partner for at least three or four years in China for, for a time. You know, so. so what happened after you went back after the conference? Like, what were your next? Oh, you go back home, yeah. and like any seminar, you feel jacked up. Like, yeah, yeah I'm gonna do this, and you know, <laughs> be a then we, we implement in stuff. Yeah, you know, you have that vision, and you start doing stuff, and then you realize a lot of the obstacles still, you know, because they didn't. You know, I remember seeing advertisement for Alibaba back then. I said, that's never gonna make it. It's like one of those. I don't know about that platform. Of course, we know what it is today. So I think about it. You know, like, it's almost um, like when you hear the story of people sourcing online. What? Is yeah, that? it was kind of like I should have had more vision too about it, but. At the same time, I was like, nah, you know, we're going to be more ahead of the tongue because we're here going and doing that. No one's going to do that. But, you know, we know that's not the case. Right? Yeah. So I, I, I did a lot of stuff. I was actually more successful in my internet stuff that the physical thing component didn't really kick in until like maybe three or four years after that. Even, you know, like because I was so busy actually making more with like info products, digital products and those kind of things mm-hmm. and consulting for, you know, companies that needed that kind of um help, I guess, you know, so that's why my experience, I, I was a search engine guy at that time first, but then I grew to learn how to do paid advertising and then, you know, social media, and then we just kept growing, you know, as far as knowledge and connections, so. So when do you, when do you first decide to actually come to China and spend an extended period of time here, and then what were you doing business-wise around that time? It, um, you're talking about um, before I came to China, or you're talking about no, so you, I, always after at the, that time? After the seminars, like... You're coming back and forth. Oh to yeah, because China, you know, like when do you yeah, end up spending of course, like, three you know, months? There's a woman involved, so that's a primary, you know, reason why I kept coming back and forth. And you know, you, you met her. I met her during around that time. Wow. Actually. Yeah. So yeah, she yeah. was actually yeah. like, one of the people in the group, you know. So. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, and she was still in university at the time when I met her, and oh. then she ended up becoming like um, in her own industry, and she was working there, and then you know. Um, that's a whole other story I guess we talk about. <laughs> but that's the primary reason I used to come back and forth because, you know, I'm also developing relationships. My, I met my partner that was trying to get me to come here, but I was like, mm, I don't know if I want to, like, fully commit to being here in China yet, you know, because, like, all the stuff back home was still working well, you know. So what were you doing with your partner? Uh, when I first, when, when he finally convinced me to come here, he already started a company that was kind of consulting to factories. He was already like, uh, he had his own established business and he knew how to do marketing online. And then I helped him with like some of his stuff and he was ranking very well for his particular product on the first page. Like on Google? Yeah, on Google. So then he saw what I was able to do and he said, you know what, we should pitch this to other factories, right? So this is, you're talking about 2011, 2012 was when, you know, he really pushed me to... And Google was still like open that time. Like you didn't need to use a VPN to to, to log on to Google. You did already at that time, you know, like, because so when did, when did 2008 or 9 is when they really started, like, clamping down on, like, all these properties. Because Facebook and Twitter, I remember in 2008, was still fine, but then they had, like, the Asian games in one show. And then their reasoning at that time was, like, you know, they want to control, like, uh, you know, some yeah, potential the, issues. The yeah, you know, like... Well, well the, the Olympics were in 2008, right? And then, mm-hmm. and then, and then Asian, Asian games were soon were, after that yeah. sometimes. So I know it happened around the Asian games because it was very prominent like you know the organization of all the things that was going on and I said okay I can understand so the, that. it was a shit show and then uh, you know <laughs> it just all of a sudden they closed it down and we're like they're going to turn it back on later right and then it <laughs> never like, did it never so that was it yeah. I was like okay how do we access this that's, that's, what, that's what happened about. to uh, that's what happened to Twitter Twitter got shut down in my first month here two months <laughs> sure yeah so yeah, so you know you, that's why also a reason why I couldn't because you know I was doing a lot of like video marketing and you know the bandwidth um and uploading capabilities here in China wasn't like up to par, it still isn't even now, but I'm just saying like I had to adjust my thinking and what was possible or... Must do. have been frustrating at the time. Yeah, I think I wasn't 
mentally ready to do that at the time. You a know? lot of people aren't. I mean, yeah. I, you know, a lot of people aren't. Yeah. Even now, they're like, oh, I can't do that now. I say, you can do it. It's just, you know, you just got to shift what your priorities and your business and your marketing is, right? Or just hire a team or make people do all the stuff back home or wherever you need yeah, it to it's be, like, right? <laughs> a good example with that would be like the podcast and the video. Like, I have my editors uploaded because it's like, yeah, for yeah. me to upload a we'll two gigabyte days. file. <laughs> Also, yeah, yeah, it's really yeah, you know, so you have to adjust and find the way to make it work. It's so I just out. like I used to do a lot of video marketing. I said I gotta cut that out for now, like until I realize what I could do yeah. later. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, so we came to that conclusion that you know me coming here and presenting myself as like an, a, a foreigner teaching this thing is gonna also boost his ability to charge more to mm. the clients, right? So so he so so the idea is that you're pitching the. The fact is, hey, we'll get you ranking on Google. Yeah, you know. and then we'll follow up and do all kinds of other marketing help that we can do. And it was in the beginning, it was a successful also, also, to start also up. the sales process, like the onboarding stuff, or like like he handled all of that. Yeah. So basically, my main so thing like was the, to do the back end, like the client's to actually first execute point of contact it. would be him. Or, yes, him yeah. and his team, or him whatever. And, team, yeah. and then I would come to speak at like things that he set up. Yeah, and and then I would actually you know do the work at the back end to actually do the ranking and whatever he needed for them to be done, you know? Yes. So it worked, but then it was also tough because the mentality of the business owners, even till to this day, is much different from the fact other, yes, yep. you know? So, yeah, it's tough. I mean, at that time, you're talking early days too, so they're like, online? Yeah. It's like, I know the <laughs> fair, you know? Like, I know how, you know, Alibaba now is their, you know, they seem a more reliable platform, you yep. know? So it's like, <laughs> what is this, doing my own website? Like online, you know, what, what, what is importance? What is this that? magic you speak of? I mean, of? yeah, exactly, it's kind of like, you know, voodoo to them, you know, yeah. it's kind of like, well, you know, even even today, you still run into that. Like, with, Mark, this is real life, it's not a Harry Potter book. Yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> that's the kind of thing that we were running into, and then, you know, how they get paid is totally different in, in the sense of, like, you know, in America, at least from my own experience, is like, monthly continuity was like a normal thing if you're doing a business like that is a service-based type yep. of business, right? Yep. Here in China, I wouldn't say it is today, but, you know, definitely back then, it was like a, you have a contract, and it's kind of that's it. So it's not like, oh, contract, and then you continue to pay you something. It's kind of like, so. Once you fulfilled those initial the obligation, things, like, they think, yeah. like, for them to follow up and pay more. And then since the internet, it's like always changing. So there's always going to be some need for like some, to get some updated updating. And, yeah. and it was not easy to convince them that too. So, you know, we, we restructured by pricing accordingly. So we just get our big up thing up front. And, yeah, I feel, know, I feel like that's a thing. That's a, that's a big thing in China is like, People, I mean, it's in any, anything, even like gym memberships, right? Like, yeah. you don't pay monthly, you yeah. pay six months in advance, you pay one year in advance. Like, that's that's the thing. Yeah, if they want to give you a deal, yeah, you get yeah. the deal, but you pay like a three year, right? Yeah, it's exactly. like one of those, like, yeah. whoa, okay. Yeah, I get, so you have to I pay can't. three years up front, yeah, but you're going to save a lot. 40%, exactly. but it's like, you're also but spending three, four thousand dollars up front. And like, it's yeah. also, I think, to do with their background and like the Asian culture where, you know, they don't like having debt. Right, so everything is kind of paid in full. Like yeah. they, when they buy a car, they can have the option for financing, but the majority of them will pay it up in I, cash. Well, right? if they have it, if right? they have it. But it, I feel like that's changing now because there's uh, so many people with new cars that I just don't think they can afford. <laughs> well, yeah, I yeah. mean, because everything is a little bit more expensive, and yeah. you know, so it all depends. Even my staff are like one of my employees just got the new iPhone. She didn't pay for that thing up front. I know she told me. She's oh, like, she told you. Yeah, she's on. She's but, on a six month, eight. You know, it's not like the states, for example, where it's included with your monthly plan. Also, on the phone is free a little bit, or, yeah, or something yeah, like that, yeah, right? Yeah. It's nothing like that here. Yeah. I mean, you still have to buy the phone no matter what. But maybe they offer. You still gonna buy the phone separately, but you can pay in a, yeah. installments. So I mean, that interest. leads into what we're talking about. Like the same thing lends itself into the business owners, but you know, they expected 
So, you know, again, that was just some of the obstacles that I had to learn to deal with. And then, why do you think? Why do you think you? Because I mean, some of the stuff you're talking about is are common uh, obstacles that entrepreneurs deal with when they live in China. And, and I've heard so many guys with similar situations. I've been through similar situations. Why do you think you were one of the few people who's like able to stick it out and stay, yeah. and, keep know, it going, adapt and like, oh, to it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I did that kind of business for maybe two, three years before I decided that you know. Always dealing with the follow-up hassle because I get the result, right? Yeah. And then when things are dropping, I get blamed for it. You know, it's kind of like, well, yeah, we can you know bring it back up, you know, because it's searching. But you got to continue the service. But we need to like either renegotiate or continue something, and then everybody's you know they come back to me, and I said, you know what, I don't think I, I just didn't want to deal with the uphill battle of yep. doing this every time, you know. So I said, you know what, I I, I could do more. We're already dabbling with our own. Like Amazon business at a time and e-commerce ourselves, and of course I have the expertise, so why not? So it was like. I make a, a heck of a lot more doing myself than dealing with them. So I'd rather build that relationship with them and then just transition it over to like selling their product directly myself because it was a more lucrative situation. So, so, so this is what year? What I do nowadays? I mean, no, no. Is this that, is what year when when you started working with the factories. What year is that? This is how I built that network and relationship with everybody because I was known at the time to be that expert and educator in this industry. So we were introduced to tons of factories, and my partner at the time was going all over the country, like just getting me in those doors, right? So we still maintain a lot of those relationships because the results I, I achieved for them were were good. So you know they still had a good feeling about it. They just didn't like the fact, like you know, wow, you tried to trick me that this is like, you know, I was like, no, 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 I didn't do that. It's not like I control that, you know. Like it's like the strategies evolve. And it's like, why did Google and, change their yeah, policies? Yeah, they have other competitors who paid me to do the same thing against your business. I'm kidding. Oh, did, I mean, you tell, you know, did you tell Google always, to change yeah, their policies? Exactly. I mean, there's always more. You know, there's always a competitor that's improving and they're doing the same thing. So yep. you you can't just stop. You know, it's like working out. You can't just like work out, get the body you want, and then maintain it without doing anything. Right? It's like you got to keep on. At least minimal. Well, and that's, another, that's another aspect when you when you talk about factories. I think factories just like to keep things the same. Sure. Okay, let's go into that because like yep. it took enough foresight by the the factory owner to even think about doing this because yep. the majority yep. of them would rather you be a big buyer, be a Walmart, be a big Target or whatever, and just order as much as you want. They don't care about you know them getting the exposure as much until. You know, when they start not getting as much business, yeah. you know, then they start. Then the problem is they're coming behind, and that's when it's usually not the best situation. You don't want to be. They, they're waiting until the last. Yeah, absolutely. With anybody, to, like you know, to, to when, change, when yeah. someone goes to a seminar and they said, "This is my last hail mary," I was like, "That's already the wrong mentality." You're going into the seminar yeah. hoping you're going to get a magic pill because it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm going through. I'm going through a situation right now with one of our our factories where they need to hire a. Like some QC workers, and then they also need to hire a specific representative for my client and the factory, like a salesperson for their client. And they were supposed to have done this like by now, because they said after Chinese New Year we've got people lined up. Don't worry about it. Like now it's two weeks into after Chinese New Year, sure. and we're like, hey, what's going on? Oh, uh, yeah, no, it's gonna happen. Do <laughs> And like every day we're following up. Oh yeah, you know we've got some things lined up, and I'm like, you're waiting until I was like, I can help you. He's like, no, 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 we got to wait. I can help you. I've been saying I can help you for like two months. He's waiting until the absolute last moment where it's like make or break before he's like, okay, help me. You know what I mean? It's like he's trying to do it by himself, and it's just that that mentality of like not wanting to do things differently. He doesn't want to ask for help. He doesn't want to like give up that control. You know? Sure. So, 
It's like, this is the way we've always done it. We've always yeah. found people like and, this. And, you know, that's why it's like, it's rare that you run into these um, company owners that are factory owners yep. that are, have this understanding or, you know, but now it's different because I believe in the last two, three years, they, they saw the value of like, you know, Amazon, for example, is a big player in that. Yep. And Amazon has offices here. Well, and so Amazon's they, also done a, a good job of educating the Yeah, the they did the hard part that yep. I wasn't willing to do back in those days. Yep. Like educate enough about business and, and you know, I, like it's good to be the first, but I also don't want to, like I said, be that person to go through that struggle and then not have the full ability to maximize on it too later. Yep. Because once it hit critical mass, it was like everybody was on board, you know. Um, what I know from now, like Amazon had like many conferences here. I, one of the people I'm partnered with here, that's a company, the Chinese fact, uh, company, they, they went to an Amazon seminar just recently, like before the new year, and it was like 10,000 Chinese sellers were there at that seminar. And I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> that threw me off because I thought maybe there's a few thousand, yeah. you know, not. No, no, it's like, it's everybody. Well, that's China in general. Like the volume and the numbers always throws you off. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're like, okay, just think every time you think of a number, multiply times 10 at least, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, yeah. and that's what uh, Chinese, you can expect from China, right? <laughs> so I guess it's 2012-ish, you start to transition into actually selling your own products? Yeah. At yeah. the same time when I was also doing this consultant thing, you know, you know, I said maybe I should at least do what I came in 2006 to learn how to do, right? And then Amazon, of course, had their platform, so we were testing stuff there, and, and I actually partnered with somebody, you know. Were they doing, was it FBA the way it is now? Or no, was of course it like... not. It, but it's similar. It was like, the, you know, around that time, you know, it was still like, maybe it was, it was the Wild Wild West, so everybody who was in there was already, of course, making money no matter what they, they try to throw in. Yeah. So, but you, I mean, the traffic wasn't as much. Uh, the traffic yeah. was okay, but it's, I guess, of course, it's not what it is today, but it still doesn't matter. I, you, you get any visitor there is going to be a buyer. So yeah. it's like you were, and it was to compete there, it was nothing, right? It was not like, yeah, any paper, they didn't really have a developed pay-per-click engine yet or anything like and that. And the so, listings probably didn't have yeah, like professional no, product Yeah, exactly. Or, Everybody was like, you know, they didn't have requirements as much. And so, you know, anybody who understood marketing and copywriting and anything like that was like, it was like shooting fish in a barrel, kind of, right? And it's like, you can be like in industries that were so competitive today, you know, like, like people I are friends with that are still in there, they're in the most competitive Things, but they're still the top three even yeah. till today because they were there back then. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. so they're the ones who pushed me kind of like, hey, you should do this too, Mark. And I was like, mm. and I actually, like I said, um, I had a partner who had a big thing in the auto industry, right? So he has um, a lot of connections in Taiwan. He's Chinese and Chinese American though. So we we decided to do some automotive products on on Amazon, and it grew a lot. That you know, we 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 grew into the fact that he had ended up opening up like four or five warehouses in the States and my shares in the business I ended up selling because, you know, it was just like, it grew to what, what we wanted to and I just didn't want to be involved anymore with yeah. that, you know, so that was my experience with how fast Amazon made it grow. It was too fast that that my friend thought it was not worthwhile to store it in Amazon anymore because of the, the fees they were charging. He's like, I just opened my own facilities and do it myself, mm. right? Does it make sense? It so, makes sense, yeah. So that's what, that's what happened with that. I don't know, it's like a blur because I feel like those 2012 till now seems like it's all into one because I was dealing with the partner stuff here and then I was also doing well with our own e-commerce businesses and, and stuff. So we flipped a few you know, things. I mean, there's a lot of platforms for flipping websites you know, that just grew around those at times as well. So it's like build a website, flip it, you know, make, make some money. And then, you know, I, I actually come from a stock trading background too. I don't know if you know so much about it. Yeah, so prior to... When I was doing internet marketing, I was like a 
what do you call it, like a glorified day trader. I had a, day trader, yeah. Yeah, like I had a license, so I took like the exams and everything, and I was uh, hired by a company that's like, I wouldn't call it the backbone of like the big well-known firms, but kind of because, you know, we were putting our own money, but we also borrowing the leverage of clients' money in there, so we really controlled a lot of uh, capital. But the reason I bring that topic up is because uh, I understood about you know multiple streams of income when I learned from my mindset in those days, and yeah. you know just diversifying what I do. You know, so the question there is like when you say multiple streams of income, it makes sense obviously, and I think that that's what people want to do as entrepreneurs yeah. as they get to a certain stage. Sure. But I think at the beginning, there's this concept of like Focus, focusing on course, one thing. So what? What's your um, thought process around that? I'm not good at that, first off. I mean, I am now <laughs> these days, but, you know, of course, in the early days, you're just like what they call the shiny object syndrome, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or even like, you know, when I went to seminars, I, the, I would... The, the politically incorrect thing would be entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship yeah. ADD. Yeah. And everybody, you know, if they don't admit they do that, then they're lying because almost everybody... Well, I mean, I definitely is, get you know, distracted, but it's... Yeah, because like, yeah. there's so many cool things out there all the time, right? So, and I still struggle with it every day, but at least I'm aware of it, you know, like... But during those days, you're like, oh, yeah, this is cool. So I actually, like, when I came to China in 2006 for a seminar, but I used to go to, like, seminars, like, almost monthly. If anything, even can go to the weekly level if there was one. Because right? I, I thought, yeah, this is where I'm going to learn my magic, you know? Like, so, and it didn't get to the level where I had a good network. And it, and, and it translated well today because those same people I met in those days or whatever are the same people that ended up coming to China later doing trips and seminar groups, and that's what I do as well, help people who I'm connected with back in, in the States to come here and then make their um, experience like better than what they could have done on their own. So right? you're talking about specifically startup bros and... Yeah, um, anybody and then, like, like big guru names, like, I, you know, some people I work with that I didn't end up liking later because of what I see, so I don't <laughs> mention everybody, right? So, so but Star Brothers, that's one of our favorite uh, guys because those guys are pretty awesome, you know, like, so, uh, so before we get into that, like, so talk to me a little bit more about, like, uh, what it was like having a Chinese business partner and the, the, the structure around that. Specifically, he handled uh, most of those things because I, if I had to do it, I probably wouldn't do it at all because uh, the restrictions, requirements that the Chinese government requires for their, their businesses is pretty um, strict, right? Yeah. So, uh, what was the question uh, specifically? Just like uh, how the partnership how, worked, like uh, how you guys communicated. Um, well, luckily you know, he's, like a, he's he, he speaks English, so it was okay. But you know, it's funny because I wanted to learn. Of course, I still want to learn Mandarin and be very fluent at it. But he was telling me not to speak it so much because you know I, I'm I'm actually Asian, I'm Filipino. So he thought that even if I was a foreigner going up there to present. They still confuse me as being like a Chinese, which never happened back when I was home. But here in China, I guess I could pass as a Chinese citizen. So, and, and his whole goal was to have like a foreigner, so he can like at least charge a higher rate and prove that you know. So he's like, don't ever talk in Mandarin when you're in stage or whatever, because you know, then they won't believe it. They're gonna yeah. think that you're Chinese, and then you know, it's sad to say, but it's about impression and and, and look, right? So that yeah. was one of the things I remember learning. That, wow, I, you know, it's a sad excuse not to learn Mandarin because I should have learned it more, so that when I was in those meetings and they're talking about me or whatever, I can be you like, you understand what I know they could be talking behind my back, you know? <laughs> and that, that's... But they already, like I said, if I just walk in the room, they're going to expect that I speak Mandarin fluently just because they think I am, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, other than that, like, I, I left a lot of that business and all those kind of things. As long as I got paid what I wanted for what I needed, I didn't really care how we ran it. And I guess, at the same time, that's probably why I didn't be as successful as he wished it would be, you know, because I, 
I didn't know where to drive them and push and see the problems that were building up at the time. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, and like I said, I started doing our own stuff and we were making a lot more money doing that. I said, you know what? I don't think I want, I'm going to go where the easier path is. <laughs> and I, mean, I, I, met you, I think I met you in 2016. Mm. What were you doing then? By then, I already transitioned fully out of that. You know, that was already passed and I was more about doing groups and also just doing consulting for people that I end up meeting in those groups and then some sourcing what you do. That's why I'd rather pass it on to you now because I know the difficulties of actually dealing with sourcing clients. <laughs> or, you know, I can source it myself because if it's my own products, I, don't, I can deal with my own problems, right? But <laughs> once you start adding another person to the party, I don't want to, you know, do that myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, so it's, it's, it's yeah, it can be tough sometimes. Yeah, got to be patient. Well, that's why. But I always recommend that you know, if you're not here, they're never going to have the same advantages as somebody who is here in, in the country versus trying to do it from the phone or whatever. Because it's like, yeah, it, it's not the same, right? Yeah, I mean that face to face with the factories is, yeah. is so important. They know you're serious. It's yeah. like when you're calling from a local phone. Hey, I want to find you know, and then not during the Canton Fair, they're like, okay, I can't like. Yeah. Pull the rug on this guy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just reminded me about something. It's like, I remember my early days, um, there was a client that reached out to me. I still I had had uh, part-time people that time, uh, interns. And uh, I had a client that reached out to me. He's like, man, I've been trying to get in contact with these. Like, he gave me like, a list of factories he's been sending messages to or whatever. And then I went and I got their phone numbers. And I remember it was like a Saturday like morning and I just hopped on the phone. I like, called them up. Hey, it's Rico here, you know, CEO of Social Line Asia. You know, my client's been trying to get in contact with you for the last couple of days. Like, was like, oh, yeah, oh, sorry, my email, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, and then they got, like, we got quotations within an hour. You know what I mean? It's cool. like, it's just a different thing of, like, me calling them up and then say, oh, it's a foreigner who's in China. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, we can go on and on about the advantage of that, but I think you have tons of podcasts talking about the benefits of yeah. <laughs> dealing with your company yeah. versus just trying to go on their own, right? But, um, that's, we meet them all the time because we're running like these groups, like I said, and also involved with the summits and, and big events that we try to run out here. And I think I, I continue to do that because, like I said, I used to go to like seminar after seminar in those days, and I miss that kind of networking with fellow entrepreneurs yeah. while I'm being out here because even if they do have events here, I can't understand them fully at all when they're talking straight Mandarin, right? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and the mindset is still improving, but just the language barrier is going to be the big difference. So let me run my own. If I want to meet some guys, let's run our own groups. And, you know, this is how I can attract good speakers, quality speakers, and then I can network and then, you know, go from there. I think that's, so, that's yeah. part of my motivation to do those things, you know? So what do you think about the climate of Amazon then versus now, like in, in terms of <laughs> if you're... Climate, yeah. Like, if you're new in any of this kind of business, is that the question or whatever? I would say yeah, that Amazon selling, is yeah. still a good place, no matter what, because you know the other alternative is to build your own site and brand. And if you're a new person that has no business skills at all, I think that's a big undertaking. You know, even if you have a good, reasonable budget, I still think that testing your, your the waters in Amazon is the place to start. You know, because uh, it's but it's way more high, it's way more competitive now than it was. Oh, before, definitely so competitive. And I'm not going to suggest that somebody starts going into like the most competitive industries. You know, like you need to start 
you know, listening, doing your research online and finding out how to use tools and things to uncover the, the products that have still some opportunity, you know. At least if you're just raw going into Amazon. Of course, that's not how. I never recommend that, like, honestly, but I'm just saying, like, if someone came up to me and says, hey, I have this much capital, and I, I said, well, try it on Amazon. But my, my real suggestion all the time for anybody is to build their own brand in some way, like an audience first. Yeah. If you build an audience, no matter how you build it, you can do anything. You can do anything online, you know? So you can start a business straight from that audience. And people say, how do you build an audience? It's like, well, pick something that you, or you can hire somebody to do and focus on that particular thing and then build some kind of, you know, rapport with that. You know, the word that's common in the internet industry is the tribe, right? The, yeah, the, the tribe. Your tribe. Yeah. If you yeah. build a good, strong tribe, then you can literally build the, business out of thin air. The tribe know? or the 10,000 true fans? Yeah, like, you know, it's like, well, you know, well, how do I find my product? I say, well, what does your audience want? It's like, what are you talking about? It's like a lot of people do the tools and everything and they say, I think the numbers work out. I say, well, if you can find a way to reach that audience, then it's very easy to sell, like, you know? But if you can't do that, then, then you know, using Amazon's built-in traffic first and understanding how that system works is the way that you need to go there. I mean, I think the issue is like a lot of people that jump into Amazon are not thinking like that. They're just thinking of the immediate money that they can yeah, make of course. from think, Amazon, yeah. You have to be real, you know, I'm the first person to say you got to be realistic, right? Yeah. It's like, it's not the old days where you can take $500 on Amazon and make, you know, tons of money. You know, those days are sadly gone. You know, so if someone comes in there thinking, I'm going to just take a course and maybe another $500 in capital, I said, you can't buy anything that way. You know, it's like, if anything, do like the other methods that are not FBA, do like, you know, um, do the other methods that you can do using Amazon's platform, but yep. just, you know, arbitrage it, right? It's like, Go to all your dollar stores, your Walmarts, and pick up their overstock and just try listing first there and build up more capital until you have enough to buy your first good order of a unique product that you're going to do. What about, because um, I mean, I guess what's, what's interesting for me is over the course of dealing with Amazon sellers, like Amazon really exploded. Uh, would you say like it exploded 2015, 2014? Like yeah, yeah, 15, 16 is when it 15, really hit 16, that critical yeah. mass. So I, I, I mean, we started the business in 2015. Got it. So started. I started to get a lot of Amazon people in like sure. late mid 2016. Hmm. At the time, it was always like a similar case where it's like a somebody between ages, let's say 27 to 35, um, putting together a budget of like three to five thousand dollars. First order is like maybe 3K, they pay us you know, two grand or something like that. I've noticed that these days it's changed where I'm getting more of the sellers who've been selling now for three, four years. They have maybe like, let's say two or three products that are working and now they either want to start their own brand or create a brand around what they're already doing or they just want to launch a shit ton of products and, and blow up their, their, their business and maybe sell it in the future. What do you think is the best option? Is it? Selling a bunch of, I was still creating your own brand. I still lean towards tell, telling people like you should be thinking about creating your own brand, especially oh, if you've yeah. been doing it for that long. Oh, of course. And now so, you have the capital to do it, you and know, you have experience. Remember selling. when we talked about diversifying? Yeah. And, you know, it's yeah, the yeah. same concept. It's like you don't want to put all your eggs in the basket of Amazon, right? It's like, yeah. mm, you know, yeah, you can scale and scale. And I would recommend that if they have that kind of money, that yeah, they could keep doing that because you have to take, you have to strike it while it's hot, still, because Amazon eventually will come to the point where. You just can't eke it out because they're changing their numbers every day. People are complaining about storage fees and whatnot and all the different complications that they run into. And eventually the numbers is not going to work because factories also are being educated 
you know, so they will get to the level. Everyone's like, they won't do it. I said, so I'll tell you right now, they are, because people like me are working with some of them, right? <laughs> so I'm just telling you right now that you're not going to be able to undercut a factory price, right? So once you hit that, you're going to be like, wow, I'm screwed. But if you build a brand, there's not going to be a problem. Because, you know, when you build a brand, you're not worried about competition. You can actually afford to raise your prices and still get the same, you know, numbers if you just monitor it correctly, right? So yeah. brand, you always have to, if you're a serious business owner, you got to build a brand. If you're doing products that you have no passion for, like, like I said, outsource it. Find somebody who can sell your, your product better and build a brand around that, you know? It's like, you don't want to give them numbers to somebody to, who can do that for you, then, you know, then do your, you know, you have to decide. It has yeah. to, it's a business deal. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was literally just listening to an episode uh, of uh, Neil Patel's, I think it's called Marketing School. Yeah. They do these seven-minute episodes yeah, yeah, yeah. with marketing tips. Yes, so, and the, the most recent one that came out was called, um, I think it was like, Amazon sellers might go out of business if they don't do this or whatever. <laughs> you know, obviously, it's sure. clickbait titles and stuff. <laughs> but uh, that was some of the stuff he was talking about, was like building a brand. And he was like, well, I mean, you're putting all your eggs in one basket. If Amazon decides to shut you down, which happens oh. to some people, then you're, you're screwed. And then another thing is like, he has this one friend of his who's been selling on Amazon for four or five years. And always about twice a year, you'll, have, you'll get like shut down temporarily because his competitors were like, Oh, yeah. Long, you have long, hijackers long and, you know, or, yeah, hijackers you have some and issues like and some of the guys yeah. are skirting the line with patent issues too sometimes you know like yeah. I love it when people say I made a unique product it's like what is it it's a cup but you know it has this and I was like mm, that's not really you know so unique man so don't think that you're the coolest person on the planet with your product too you yeah. know unless you are really building some kind of tribe then I think you have weakness in your armor so you have to consider them all the time so I would always recommend at least that has to be part of the business plan mm. it doesn't have to be the first thing because some people need to make money so you know, the first thing I'll tell them to do is like certain paths you know I, I, you know, like for anybody has to, everybody's different so knowing the complete story and what their real goal is you have to you know, have a few drinks with them maybe to find out that <laughs> real story and what the core is but you know we all want to make money but how someone gets there is going to be the different right? it's like a lot of guys are like, oh, you need to do that? Well, start working in the, the grocery store for a while, build up that capital, then do it. You know, it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. And I was like, well, then you're not super serious because you're not going to do the goal that you want without the right plan. You know, Amazon is a bigger, there's a lot more capital involved, a lot more competition. So you got to be, when you come into the market, you have to be pretty sharp yeah, yeah. or work with sharp people because you need every advantage you can to, to get the success that you were trying to look for. What do you think about I mean, obviously, you mentioned that some of your friends are selling courses or some of the people that you've known for a while, but what do you think about courses in general? Like, Everything can be learned online for free if you look deep enough, but the thing about courses or anything like that is they put it in more convenient. It's really about time. Yeah. Like, if you have the time to research these days, I can say you can find everything online. I'll be honest and say the majority of things, maybe there's a few tweaks here and there, but those tweaks are not, like, so special. They'll last forever that, you know... The advantages are like having a good source to find products if you're doing a physical business. Yeah. That won't change, you know. But like any educational thing, you know, if you look deep enough, you're going to find somebody. And I recommend that anybody find somebody they can relate to and then just follow their stuff. Because there's so much stuff that I think you're going to get also distracted by trying to find every teacher in the, in the world. Right? Yeah. You know? yeah, exactly. So I recommend someone finding someone they can relate to and have a good you know, rapport with and that eventually they want to maybe meet in person. And that's when I think that doing these courses are better because they, they do have a value when you take their course you know most of these course makers won't ever talk to you unless you actually 
take their course or come to their event, right? Yeah. So it's like yeah. they they should give a priority to people who actually invested in them in some way, you know, because that's their time. But I think if the question is like, can you learn most of this stuff? You can now, like you know. But are you going to learn that in enough time that you can take somebody over in the time frame that you have? Probably not. You know, like someone. You know, the effort that it takes to, to, to do the sourcing that you can do in, in, in a day would take somebody years to establish their relationship here, to do the thing, the network, come here to China to live. Yep. I mean, that's just like a huge undertaking, right? So it's like if someone is saying, oh, I'm going to compete with you, Mark, in marketing, I s like, go ahead, let's see where you're going to be. Like, tell me what you're good at and let's go. You know, yep. like, and I won't say I'm the best, but I'm good enough that I, I'll take the best of them for where we are, you know, so... Uh, I just recommend that people do take a. It's an investment in, in their business. They need to do something like that. At least educating themselves enough to be dangerous, right? So that when they do hire somebody and they grow their business, they can be sure they're actually hiring somebody who has the capability to do the business for yeah. them. Right? I don't know. I think I got off topic, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it's funny for me to say because I'm working with a lot of people that educate people. But I, I think that anybody can go anywhere. You can go anywhere in the world on a vacation, but it's better to go with somebody that you you know somebody in the area. You might get a better tour. You know, you're gonna see a much different scenery with somebody who lives in the place who's, that you're visiting yeah, than you know who yeah. than going there. You know, just on the whim of your your ambition, right? So it's like you come to Canton Fair, sure. You can go out there and do basic and meet some people, but you know what about all the other things that you can do while you're here, right? Understand the city, enjoy your time here, maybe meet some other and see other venues that you didn't even know existed because they're not as popular, but yeah. nobody knows, right? So, um, learning from somebody, I, I still think uh, getting a coach, I, I highly recommend if you're at the level where you need to tweak your ability, like find somebody who is an expert in what you want to do and. Do direct coaching with somebody. I highly recommend that. Like you know, because the best and the best do that, right? I mean, Tiger Woods who plays golf. Yeah, he has a coach. He doesn't just go there practice and hit the, the balls on his own. He has somebody watching him, right? Mm -hmm. So I think in business that everybody needs somebody like that too. You know, so um, that's why we're always educating ourselves. I'm always trying to find out new things. I'm going to educate myself if I I don't have the time to be sitting there like finding out. I I need to go to an event that. I hear the best speakers already, and then they tell me, "Oh yeah, I, I think that's a good thing that I need to implement in my own business." And then hire that guy if I have to, if I can't do it myself, <laughs> right? That's the way. That's why you do these things, right? You you go there, you meet, and then hopefully you learn, and then maybe even make that network that grows your business in general. So, what? Um, how much do you know about some of the black hat tactics that Chinese sellers know enough? Yeah, uh, you know, met people who do that even to these days. I guess. Can you can you can you name a few or just explain no, a few? No, I don't name them because <laughs> I don't want to also. But you know, other people that no, know, no, not the people, but just like what kind of things are happening? You know, from having like teams of 300 or 400 people with multiple servers, and they just do all kinds of like hacks. Into the systems, you know, literally, and then you know, hijacking stuff, and yep. uh, basically, I, I couldn't even do the detail because uh, then I don't want everybody who's listening also to know how to detail how to do it, how yeah. to do it too, yeah. right? So it's kind of like you don't want to just know that they're them. there and there's teams of people out there doing stuff like that. You know, like, how do you how do you how does one defend themselves against those kind of things? Build a brand. Yeah, you build a brand, pretty <laughs> yeah. much. Like, yeah, you can. Pretty there's ways that you can talk to, but you know, like a lot of people know, like. Now Amazon, for example, released like programs where they have dedicated managers for for your accounts. Yeah. Like you know, so a lot of people are like, "Wow, that's a pretty exorbitant amount to pay them." But then that's how you get in front of line of dealing with the problem, right? <laughs> so if you have a big enough business, you have direct line a little bit more to Amazon, then you can handle it a lot easier. Also, I think they just uh, they just did some sort of like 
if you have a if you have a patent or or brand copyright, yeah, brand yeah, yeah, okay, brand yeah, I think yeah. they just launched a, pro, a program around that. Like, yeah, that's been you apply for been that around for a while, get, but yeah, you get I mean, certified. So you're patent and trademarked and yeah. all kinds of stuff. You have yeah, a little yeah. bit, you know, that's the wording. You have the certain words you can use when you're emailing customer service. But I said the way to really get in top of the line is paying for that dedicated rep, you know, which is pretty crazy. But at the same time, it's, how much were they charging? I heard depends. Each one's different, but yeah. you're talking a few thousand per month to have the dedicated manager for your. You know people that are paying for it? Yeah. And I mean, is it it's good? So far. I mean, anytime there's an issue, they're there. And I've seen the team come into the office. So I said, okay, they have a physical rep that, you know, comes in. And that makes you feel good and makes you, uh, I guess... Oh, so this is like in China, like... Yeah, this is from my experience already yeah, with the Chinese... Somebody, one of your reps or... Chinese your, your, rep for Amazon is here. And yeah. they visit the office at least once or more a month. Physically, oh, cool. and they're on the phone with them all the time if there's an issue. So that's how we bypass a lot of. So things problems. are moving faster because you have the right. Yeah, well, the company I work with, they're all doing like multiple, you know, almost seven figures per month now. Almost. So it's yeah. like, you know, paying that is nothing. You know, like it's it's an it's easy. It's a smart move on Amazon's part because it's like, well, you pay for the rep. <laughs> yeah. We'll have them work the work for us. Like, yeah, I was like, that's definitely. Well, you pay for them, and let's, we'll make some money on top of it. Like. <laughs> yeah, and I'm pretty sure they're paying them something as well for bonuses. Amazon, Amazon is basically a drug dealer, man. <laughs> they have, like, this conversation we'll have behind the scenes, but you know, there's, there's definitely things. You know, again, I, I, it's, it's, I, I, I still think no, that Amazon I can say is a strong it and you won't get in trouble. Yeah, I said Amazon is a strong platform, yeah. and I will recommend anybody to do it still. Amazon you know, is, is until a the point where I say, oh, it's public. not worth it. You know, yeah. but I run into too many people that they don't know anything about business. So I said, Amazon is the easiest channel in because you really only learn how, how to get product, learn how to list, yeah. and that's it. You turn on paper well, click, man, it's like, not that's, complicated. That's exactly you know? what, um, so I think by the time this episode comes out, I should have released this video that I did with the other Mark, the okay. guy who <laughs> buys uh, Amazon businesses. That's right. And he was telling me, he's like, man, he's met people that are doing $50,000 a month that have never done PPC yeah. or their listings don't have professional product photos. So, so until like, like I that. feel like that, that means there's still opportunity, right? Yeah. If I hear yeah. there's mistakes going on still, and it's still they're profitable, you know, no one wants. I mean, everybody wants a mistake. They just don't make 50k, you know. Yeah. Month. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like yeah, there is still that aspect. Because like, even if you're not the most business savvy person, if you pick the right product, and also if you've been on the platform for a while, you understand it. Yeah, you understand, understand it a little bit. So yeah, I still think it won't be. It's a numbers game, you know, no one's going to pick their first product. It'd be the problem I know with a lot of people is they're frozen paralysis by analysis. They mm. do too much research and everything and they don't just launch something. I, you used, know? To, I used to be like that. I used to be like that. Yeah. <laughs> There's a tons. I mean, that's not just you. So, you know, me, I just rather shoot and then figure out what the mistake was later. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh, I guess I, I made a mistake. I'll correct it. You know, so, yep. but that's the beauty of understanding that. Of experience too. So as long as you know that's happening, some people just do it and they don't know it's happening. <laughs> it's a different story. Yeah. So speaking of obviously, we spent a ton of time talking about Amazon, but one of the things we touched on was the courses. But then there's also like, like we said, Startup Bros has, you know, the trips that you can do. And we tried to do a trip last year that didn't quite work out uh, for multiple multitude of reasons. I think part of it's like you're saying, build your own following and things like that. I think my following wasn't there yet. Yeah, well, that's why we're working yep. on it now. Yeah, right? we're working on it now, <laughs> so that's the plan. But uh, talk to me about these the trips that you guys have done. Like, what has that been like? The experience that people have had, the successes that they've had. Um, um, successes, successes is, uh, is a different 
story versus what the experience is. Okay, so. yeah, yeah, so experience, so, that's why I mentioned yeah, both. Okay, right? yeah, that's why I, was that's like, why I mentioned both. You know, of experiences course, and successes. You know, I don't want to like detract people from not going to stuff, but I yeah. says again, it's not a magic pill situation, right? Well, at the end of the day, that you still the, the you can take a course, but you still have to do the work. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, so, we, we you like, know, you will get a lot of people like who complain later on of something, but we've we've come to the point now, and at least in any event that I've been a part of. We make sure that at least the experience is going to be worth the time and the and the money that they invested in. Yep. Meaning, like they came to China, they had a great time. Like you can't, that's priceless anyway, no matter what, right? So they're going to learn. But did they actually follow up afterwards? And you know, some people are, you know, like you said, they still have to do the work. And if they didn't do it, they still blame what they did. And those are just kind of people that won't be so successful anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So. I, I, it's always like this stuff, right? Yeah. It's like you have events. No, it's, it's like that. In like I was, uh, I used to be a partner in Enter China, right? And we had members that joined and just didn't do anything afterwards. Yeah. And you're like, why did you so, pay for this membership? Yeah, and you know, you know, as an educator, like who does that, you know, you can easily filter them out and maybe not take them. But yeah. same time, it's like, no, that's not your decision. It's yeah. like. It needs to be the people who are taking the course to decide what they're going to do with that information. Yeah. So well, the only thing you can do is tell them that hey, you still need to put in the work. Like this is not a magic yeah, pill. Exactly. But you know, when they come out, they're going to have a great experience, and it depends on who they go with. They have different experiences. Like we had a group that like they did their seminar on the yacht, and they were down the Pearl River, and then you know that's the experience that they did for their their group, right? So mm. it's like that's unique and different, and everybody's going to do something more. If they're extreme, they want to do some you know. Other stuff that is, you know, different. Some people actually travel to different countries. They might go to Thailand. They might go to the Philippines in the same trip because you're visiting their VA team over there, and then they show the full, complete business that's been running their business. Because some of those guys are running full companies where they want they outsource all their business to this this company, and they just want to introduce them to everybody when they came out. Right. Mm-hmm. So they meet their sourcing people. They go out to the, another, you know, Philippines to meet their VAs and, yeah. and so on and so forth. So. Uh, everybody's different, so you you sign up with whoever you want to, you know, get involved with. But if you want to ask me directly, someone will say, "Hey, I want to do this," and I can direct you to the right group that's going to do that. <laughs> if that's ever a question that comes up, right? So, uh, and if you want to run your own group, you're more than welcome. We'll help you out too. So, <laughs> but you also do you also do specific uh, e-commerce marketing consulting. Like that's that's like your main. Yeah, my business. main business is like yeah. running our own business that we have, as well as um, you know partnering up with a lot of people that I feel has the potential and then they just can use the, the advantages that I bring to the table as far as marketing. So I feel that's the best way for me to leverage my skill set. Yeah, like, FYI, that's kind of what me and Mark are trying to set up yeah, right now. Like, exactly. So it's like, uh, you know, I'm using my skills and helping Rico grow part of his business on that side, on the marketing side, and you know, from there, we'll just keep on building out into more stuff, right? <laughs> so... If, what kind of clients do you t- you said obviously you pick people that you think have potential or businesses that have potential I, is there like a I identify people who have first off cash flow right? yeah. because if they don't have the cash we can talk ideas all day and nothing's going to happen they have to have some kind of investment at least potential or at least be able to raise the money to do the, the idea yeah. then they come up with an idea and then I have to give them options and then if they are behind it then we all move forward so you know because like I said my, my main thing is actually my teaching is mostly about building brands and as well as building a membership type of models as much as possible. Yeah. Meaning like in the physical world business, you see popular things that are out there that are, have, you know, 
things that are in their niches and they provide them like physical good products monthly, right? I, yeah. I, all of a sudden I blanked out with what, because I, I only know my own stuff that I'm part of, I don't <laughs> talk about that because, you know, I have NDAs with some of the companies I can't talk about. <laughs> and there's the first ones that pop in my head. But there's very popular, um, BarkBox is a good example, I guess. That's a popular, it's like a dog brand, you know, that has like a monthly like continuity with, with products. And I always try to like, Tell people to build a brand and hopefully get to that based model. Like yeah. yeah, there's um, there's one that I'm thinking of that the Dollar Shave Club. I always Dollar Shave Club. The most famous of that kind of model. There's and, one that I just I just got actually called Quip, but I, I can't do the monthly thing because they don't deliver to China. But I bought like their t- it's an electric toothbrush. Got it. But they do like a monthly thing where they'll send you Fun new heads new and, heads yeah, and yeah, yeah. toothpaste but and. Like, if any like new thing that you do can be built around something like around that, that's the, the best route ever. Mm. Because monthly continuity is always gonna be the most stable. You know? Because yeah. sales, you can generate sales, but then if you know every month that these membership costs are coming in, it's like boom. You know, you're like, okay, I know this is gonna be paid. You yeah. know? So it's the most reliable thing I think that anybody should do, in my opinion. So okay. I, I always try to like when we talk to people, that's where I try to lead them towards if possible. You know, like and it's, it's possible for anything, you know, yeah. like people just don't believe it. They're like, no, no one's going to care about, you know, my little niche that nobody knows about, paper napkin folding and stuff. I said, no, there are people <laughs> out there, you know. I remember I consulted, I can mention her um, niche, but I don't remember the website, right, off the top of my head. But she used to like do like crocheting, right? And it was like, I didn't use the, I used to be like, that's nothing, right? That's not. Then I remember looking at her analytics one time and I was like, whoa. Okay, I was like, the volume is like a few hundred thousand people per month, right? I was like, what have you been doing? And it was, her website wasn't nice and whatnot. She didn't have any good copywriting skills and she just she was making mostly um, revenue off of AdSense, which is like a Google code that you put on your website. Mm. And if ads are shown there, if people click on it, well, with that kind of numbers, it was very easy for the, you know, the percentages to work out. She was having like at least a four-figure a month business from just talking about crocheting, mm. you know? So it's like... When, when I remember that example, I said, anything's possible, you know? <laughs> I was like, you know, now you're dealing with the bigger niches like uh, exercise, diets, uh, you know, or any, any animal breeds, dogs, cats. You start focusing on those things, you're going to do well, you know? Yeah. So. What, um, I guess, what, what are your plans for the future in terms of business-wise, China, things like that? More into diversifying, not as far as like physical goods. It's like, again, like, Investing more again, doing a lot more in real estate and other things that are not with this, within this industry. I'm still going to keep growing what I do here yeah. because it's very strong. It's my, my specialty, but you know, I'm going to be looking more into pushing more into other things that are, you know, bring me more capital and flow. <laughs> monthly, monthly flow of cash. Yep. <laughs> That's the goal. <laughs> Short term, we were talking about the cross-border summit. Right? Got it. Yeah. Actually, by the time this episode comes out, I should have Mike's. Michael McLean on China Mike, mm. his episode out, and he mentioned that you might be working together and yeah. bringing the Cross Border Summit back That's to right. Wangzhou. That's right. um, for some background for people that are listening, Cross Border Summit, it's been three years in a row, used to be hosted in Shenzhen. Obviously, Michael McLean now is living in Thailand. Um, the plan was to do it in Colombia, but he's going to be pushing it back by a year because it just needs a little bit more planning and then. Um, Mark had the idea of like bringing it to Guangzhou because at the end of the day, like, we were, they, it's always around the Canton Fair, and people sometimes have to choose between the two. Guangzhou just seems like the most logical place, and then also Mark lives here, so and I, I live here as well, so like, I think mm-hmm. it's 
it's a, and there's also a ton of like FBA events around that time period as well. Yeah, um, it just made sense. I used yeah. to try to tell Mike to do it all the time, and yeah. that's why I couldn't never really go to the summit myself because it was during those hot times where we have multiple groups and, yep. like you said, an FBA event that happens like at that time. So it was not easy to go to the event. So it just so happens once you moved out to Thailand. And the situation was like either get rid of it and not do it anymore, yeah. or you know, kind of take. take it should be a waste because it's it's built up such a good brand. And, yeah, it's I mean, great the brand, is, great, it's awesome. great um, bunch of people that go to that, and they, they they're missing Mike. So you know, in order to sway him to come back to visit us, you know, we have to do an event. So I basically took the reins a little bit, and now we're going to throw cross border summit event um, this October instead of April, just because of the timing. So. That's the goal for now. We're also building up his uh, cross-border association, and you know, we'll talk more about that, I guess, in the future. In the future, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we'll keep you posted with updates on that. Like, mm. but definitely excited. I want to see how I can be involved and be a part of it. Um, I spoke at the last two events, which was fun. Yeah. Actually, I might be speaking at the Global Sources Summit. Oh really? Okay. I guess it's next month. Yeah. Next yeah, month I was gonna August. say you got invited. So yeah, that's yeah. Uh, they're a good bunch of people. This we is, try to make the summit at least. Now that we're, well, it's always nerve-wracking when you're speaking in front of, it's going to get recorded, right? Yeah. That's why you never get me recorded, so this is rare <laughs> already. But I start rambling on because there's so much stuff I guess you can talk about. And yeah. it's really, I, you know, like I said, I'm not a professional speaker in any way, so you only get me good when we go to the, to the bar, have a little drinks here and there, and then, you know, you start opening up about all the kind of stuff. You can ask me, you can ask me the techniques there, you know? Yeah, Mark, was, Mark was worried about saying something bad on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I try to make a professional try appearance. self censor. Yeah. Why do you like being behind the scenes, I guess? I don't know. I think that's my personality in general. I'm, uh, when people meet me, they think I'm an outgoing person, but I'm more like a kind of reserved type of guy, you know? I mean, if we're going to battlefield, I'll be the first one in front, but <laughs> as far as trying to make the attention go to myself, that's not my my thing, I guess. I had a lot of opportunities, I suppose, to do that. Um, but yeah, because you could be selling your own course or yeah, you know, like that kind but of then, thing. Yeah, I should have been doing way back, maybe, but I, again, that wasn't my personality. So I just let everybody else do it and I'd be the person to help promote those people. Yeah. I was more like the organizer, I guess, uh, rather than the front man, the center piece of the situation. <laughs> so that's basically why, you know, I don't try to like, put myself in the forefront as much as possible, even though it'll probably help my business immensely to get more, but I, I, I do well enough on my own that I want to be choosy about the people I end up do working with. You know? yep. So um, it's a balancing act, I guess, uh, what is good, because it's always good to meet new business people and see the opportunities that are there, and I like challenging myself, so that's why I'm still open to that, versus just closing myself off and just doing everything by myself. I mean, that's what the internet kind of trains you to do, too. Like, the early days of internet marketing is like, we're all like nerds behind a computer screen and just doing stuff on the computer, right? No, nothing to do, going out, you don't have to because everything can be done online. Yeah. But, you, know, you start craving that social interaction, and, you know, and that's why you and I end up meeting each other whenever we can, occasionally, it's just to, so I can, you know, touch re reality sometimes. <laughs> so, how, you've been in China full-time since basically, like, 2010. Hmm. So, you have you noticed the difference in Guangzhou specifically between like the amount of entrepreneurs that are coming to live here versus then versus now? I feel like it's less now than it less, was. Less like there's actually more of a growth of the actual entrepreneurs coming from the city. I think coming like, from Guangzhou, from, but from, from Guangzhou, foreigners from the, who are coming. Yeah, here some like, foreigners are involved, but you're right. Like the foreigners coming in, 
It's not as common as you, because more of them choose to either be in Shenzhen or Hong Kong or possibly up in Beijing Shenzhen or Shenzhen. Because Shenzhen's got this Shenzhen. new yeah, feel, the, the Silicon Valley yeah, type. Yeah, it's more of like more Hong foreigners Kong. there, so they can yep. feel more comfortable if they didn't want to take the time to learn Mandarin, they can. Newer and, city. Yeah, so it's newer, and plus it's right, like walk over to, to Hong Kong, right? So it's like a lot of the conveniences are there. So there is more of an um, expat culture over there. Yep. But, you know, it's fake, man. It's fake. It's yeah, plastic. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> my, this is, uh, I don't even want to get into it because it's kind of like <laughs> something I don't want to get on, on the record. But, you know, okay. I talk, we can talk about that. No, I mean, my personal opinion is like uh, I understand the appeal of Shenzhen. I, I get it uh, from a logical standpoint. But I like Guangzhou because it's a balance. It's, a, it's we're, the area that we're in to set the scene is that we're at Gales. Uh, it's an American style, kind of like a diner type place. Yeah. Um, and then we're in Lieda, downtown area. It's nice, it's clean, there's a bunch of Western restaurants. Guangzhou there's is known more for of that in Shenzhen, but Guangzhou has this, but it also has the old, the old China, field. the old yeah. field, the old downtown area that you're talking about with yeah. the, the Garden Hotel. And all. I think I appreciate that they're still trying to maintain as much as the whole culture somewhere yeah. in the city. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not right here where we are, but you can go there. It's not like Shenzhen where they pretty much erase a lot of, exactly. of, a lot like of the, the, a little bit the too culture. Clean. It's a little yeah. bit too... Super. Nice and polished, yeah. but you know it's good for city. But you know we can't just go and appreciate the local culture as much as we would like. So Guangzhou has that, and that's why you and I are here. You yeah. know, because we we believe in like you know the roots of what they do and they offer. Plus, have the amenities of modern technologies in the city. So it's the best of both worlds. I feel it's not as I don't know how to call it. Like Shanghai is more of like New York, I guess. Uh, yep. The attitude there is totally different. And, so it was just not as it's not as Western yeah, mentality. The Shanghainese people as... are like, what? What are you talking about right now? <laughs> I don't want to get in that battle. But I'm just saying that Guangzhou is where it's at. If you're into business, I think you all should come here yep. because this is where it's at. Because we're here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I might throw you off with my closing questions. Um, smallest thing you've done that's brought you the largest results in business. Smallest thing. 80-20 principle. Got it Networking, I guess, more. Like, because I don't do it enough, but I think yeah. that every time I meet somebody, uh, offers me the best opportunity. Yeah. You know, in the long run. Talk about a mistake that you made in your business that you learned from and ultimately became an asset. I guess there's tons of mistakes because uh, it stems back to like, you know, I used to, of course, everybody gets greedy. You see an opportunity, you start buying into it, then you realize, okay, that probably wasn't the best investment I did. And then sometimes those were like actually six-figure mistakes. But, you know, after you made that investment, then you go back and step back and analyze it. You realize, okay, I still need to extract something that I might have learned from it. And I usually do do in anything that, I, anything that you know, I, I do moving forward. I think the failures are actually you know, what makes us more successful because the more you fail and learn from that failure is when you actually yep. see if the If you do learn from the failure. Yeah, I make sure that, you know, if you, you, as long as it's not like you can kill you, then you're fine, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I've dug myself in a lot of holes like that and, uh, <laughs> that I realized that, you know, like I said, just because I, I'm similar to like all entrepreneurs, we want to get in all the opportunities that I realized that it was the yeah. focus that we talked about. I remember the necessary. first conversation we had, one of the things you were saying is like, <laughs> you're like, uh, you're like you could make seven figures, you could lose six figures, it doesn't matter. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, like, see, I learned that I when like, I was a trader. <laughs> uh, I learned that when I was a trader. I used to go in there thinking I'm like, you know, 
throwing my, my guns around. We come in, and that was the only job I remember, a job, if you can call it that, where I was like, you can lose, lose money when you come in. You know, it's not like, it's like you walk in the door, you think, oh, I'm going to kill it, I'm going to kill yeah. it. Then the market just turns, and you're like, oh, okay. I just lost like 50K today, <laughs> even though the day before I thought I, I, was, I was the king of the world, you know? Yeah, yeah. So then that, that's when I, and I, I was a small fry because I had my friends who were like the Wolf of Wall Street type of people who were really throwing their cards into the table. So they were doing, multiply what I was doing into like 10 times that. So you're talking, when they lose, it was like, oh, okay, you guys just lost a meal today. <laughs> <laughs> or you made a meal today. So we were like on this up and down thing. So once I got exposed to that world, everything else seemed kind of like, pedestrian like, yeah. a little bit and you know those traders and head fund managers they all know what I'm talking about because day to day everything changes and it's like that's when you see real numbers so, uh, that are pretty crazy so and then uh, final question what are three books podcasts or vlogs or blogs that you'd recommend people check out well, you mentioned and it doesn't uh, have to be like three seven three total yeah so. like well you mentioned Neil I like that little show because it's like Neil Patel's yeah. a quick show is like six Seven minutes. Seven long. minutes every episode. And I think every every day he puts out stuff, so it's very good content. He, he has a lot of his Mind Valley is that's what he's part of, right? Mind Valley and yeah. stuff is very good. I, I follow their stuff from the MFCO is one of my favorite podcasts actually. MFCO? Yeah. MFCO. It actually stands for what the mother CEO. You can swear. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, you know, that's not that's not my personality so much. <laughs> I don't really curse on notes. I really Wait, so what but, what's that? Uh, I've never uh, heard, uh, heard Frisella, he's like his his whole when you listen to him you'll find out. More about Andy Priscilla. Does he have a video cast as well? Probably. Does he have a beard? Like is yeah, he like, beard? He probably has a scar on his face. Maybe I've seen, I've like seen him. On, I think he on got YouTube. Before, he got yeah. attacked. He got attacked once and like. Yeah, he looks like like uh, he almost looks like a biker. Like, yeah, he's a grizzly kind of guy. Yeah. You know, he works out a lot and he's actually has he owns a sports company. And, you know? and I think he has a he has a I think I follow him on Instagram as well. Yeah, but his uh, podcast is, he has like three yeah, days I like a that week. guy, man. Like, he's kind of inspirational. Yeah, because like, yeah, yeah. he doesn't try to sell you anything. And like, he actually stopped doing public speaking because he felt the industry was like scamming people too much. So I like the lessons that he teaches. I mean, it's pretty, you, you know, like Gary Vee. Everybody, you know, I would recommend Gary Vee, but I think everybody listens to the guy, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Gary Vee, like, tone his message down to a very generic kind of message, but it's something that some people need to hear. What's well, at the I, his message is perfect at the beginning of yes, the journey. Yes, exactly. Like, I, I mean, I evolve, yeah. then when I was going through like you know when you're not making money at the beginning of your business, correct. I was like working out of my apartment, and you're questioning like, do I even know what I'm doing? Like, sure. you know, like should I go back? At the time, I was teaching English. I was like, should I go back to teach English more? And then I'm like hearing Gary Vee being like, stop making excuses, yeah. just fucking hustle, and, put uh, your head down. Like, he's the hustler. You know I mean? yeah. Actually, if you want to hustle, then look at his thing where he just does flips on eBay. I mean, basically, it's the most hustle you can do. Yeah. Just go to garage sales, flip stuff on eBay, and you're going to build up some capital. I yeah. mean, yeah. that's the easiest way. I mean, so, yeah, he's more of a, like you said, like more of the early message. And then Andy's more of the follow-up, I think, the mindset, very deep into the mindset and stuff level. I mean, because after a while, you just start chuckling because they have a lot of, things that they talk about, like how we talk behind behind the scenes and like we laugh about stuff and he just puts it out there. So I feel like, you know, he's, I recommend him highly. And that's what he wants I, you to do. Recommend I will, his, I will uh, follow his podcast because I, um, I think I, I used to watch his, like the short clips on YouTube and then sometimes the little clips he puts on his Instagram. Sure. But for some reason, I never jumped into his podcast. Yeah, because then I, when I first saw it, I said, what an audacity this person has to have this name, the <laughs> MFCEO project. <laughs> Love it. Then he, part of his thing was like, just sell my, I mean, not sell, he's like, just tell one person about our podcast. That's all. Yep. That's his only message and that's the only um, thing well, he asks. Well, you've, you've told thousands now. Yeah, yeah, I just told a lot of people. So mm. go check him out and 
Tell them when you do sign off and you ever join his program, tell them Mark sent you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for being on the podcast. No problem. So, yeah. I know you snuck me in here, so I yeah, appreciate yeah. you taking the time. No, man, it's, you know, it's been three years in the making. I've, <laughs> I've literally been trying to get you to be on the podcast yeah, for like three hopefully years. Hopefully one time in the future, give me again, we'll talk about actual action and plans that people can take. But, yep, you know, sure. Right now we're just shooting the fat, as I call it. You know, it's talking about. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do another one when when uh, the cross border summit's more concrete. And oh yeah, things like that. Yeah. We'll be talking about all the people, the, pe- the speakers, and also strategies that we'll be talking about and how to actually implement them in your own business, right? Yeah. Because that's what people really want to listen to. They want to say, "Hey, tell me more how to grow my business from this level to that." Okay, <laughs> I'll give you one tip here or two, and yep. you know, figure it out, make you grow. <laughs> okay. All right, man. Thanks. Um, if people want to reach out to you, how can they? How can they find you? Just reach me through Rico. That's it. Okay. On the cross border summit, look it up, and I, you know, I have my contact information there as well. Okay. Cool. All right. And if you want to reach out to me, that's podcast at sourcefinancial.com. You can check out the show notes sourcefinancial.com slash made in China, and uh, check out the YouTube channel sourcefinancial.asia. Probably have a bunch of videos from my time in the Philippines. Uh, interviewed the CEO and co-founder of the Refined, uh, which is like a men's. Uh, it's like a gentleman's club slash bar slash barbershop slash men's spa slash co-working space slash place where you can play poker <laughs> slash place where you can play PlayStation <laughs> while getting a manicure and pedicure. So it's fascinating. He's a good, he's a good guy, Noel, from Toronto. And uh, I think we had a really good interview. And I should have a podcast with him out as well by the time this episode comes out. So. Cheers. Maybe I should not be drinking for I speak my mind, that's not ideal You're not a girlfriend Yeah, I should be faithful I think of you like Wi-Fi And I think of her like cable